welcome to the Dark Horse podcast. My name is Cynthia McFarlane. I am a black female who was brought up in a white deprived area in Essex, East London, England. I discovered horses at a young age, but struggled to feel I belonged in the horse world. I aspired to be a barrister and succeeded in a predominantly white male profession. I later began dreaming of the freedom of riding horses whilst at court. I was driven to combine my passion for horses and my passion for law uh, to become the Dark Horse, aka Cynthia McFarlane, the equine mediator and barrister. Having overcome the odds as a black female to become a barrister in a predominantly white profession, I now faced the challenge of working as a black lawyer in the horse world, where black people struggle to find acceptance in riding schools, racehorse stadiums and polo clubs to name just a few. The purpose of this podcast is really to encourage a black child or an adult of any background, in fact, who has the passion to ride horses or wants that freedom, to empower them, to give them a sense of belonging, and hopefully uh, to build a conversation which leads to governing bodies making significant changes in the industry, providing a legacy for the next generation family. Welcome to The Dark Horse. I'm Cynthia McFarlane and this is episode 10, my interview with Tegan Vincent Cook. Hi Tegan, how are you? I'm good thanks, I'm good, how are you? I'm great. I'm really pleased that you're, um, you've agreed to come on to the podcast today. Thanks for having me. And um, I know for the listeners around the world, we've got different ages and those of different backgrounds uh, who may not know of you, some who, who may. You're a para rider, aren't you? Yeah. Please, can you explain for you what that means? So para riding is... Firstly, the only kind of sport that I felt that I could do well and be accepted in. But para dressage as a sport is riding horses and kind of training them to compete at a certain level. And you carry out different movements and then you get judged on those and the highest wins. And I think people will recognise it from the Olympics and seeing like Charlotte Dujan doing dressage. So it's like that, but... It's only for people that have disabilities, so it's more fair on us. Okay. Your particular disability that you're talking about, can you just, just set that out for those who may not be from the UK who, who are listening in? Um, I have cerebral palsy, and it's a condition to do with the brain. So when I got it when I was born because of the lack of oxygen during birth, and it basically creates a shadow over the part of the brain that controls movements of the arms and legs mm-hmm. so my muscles are a lot tighter and tense than um say a normal a normal person would be so it causes them to kind of do odd things and move differently than others okay and um how did you well there's two things I've got lots of questions for you but <laughs> the first thing is how did you get into riding yourself because I know that we've got a lot of wannabe equestrians or people who are sort of trying to get further in their field listening well I actually started when I was only four years old 
And I started because it was a suggestion from my physiotherapist. She thought it would be a good form of exercise for me because I couldn't really do all the dodgeball football that kids didn't in school. Mm. So she wanted to find me a different activity. And my parents took me and I tried it out and did it for a few weeks. And then the few weeks turned into years and then years and years and years and years. So yeah, I've just never stopped since I started really. And, and so what do you love about riding so much? Or what did you love so um, much about riding? The main reason I always say is that it, it gives me a sense of freedom that I don't experience without the horse. Mm. So the horse is my legs, I can go fast, I can go slow, I can do different movements that I can do by, by myself. But it also kind of gives me the confidence and the independence that I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. I I didn't really have to rely on it, anyone to ride, whereas I have to rely on a lot of people in other things in life. So it's a big in, independent thing. Yeah. So, so when did you start? How old were you when you started to compete then? My first, like, recommend, my first memory of it was when I was eight. I might have done it before, but I, my first one was when I was eight. And my coach just suggested that I tried it and thought I might enjoy it and thought it would just give me another challenge to do. And yeah, I kind of just, I I like the competitive side of it and trying to get better each time. So yeah, I'm always trying to get better than what I did last (laughs) night. One thing I've been dying to talk talk to you about as well is that I had seen your TED talk and... um, I loved about well there's lots of things I loved about it but I really loved what you said about children when they speak to you about your disability and one I think you referred to as saying you have a superpower which I loved (laughs) yeah well the 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 great thing about children is that they have no like filter yeah say whatever comes to mind and yeah a lot of children are very curious about why I'm different and Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll, I'll stay long and let them carry out their stories. Um, but most of the time when I try to explain it to them, it kind of, they didn't see it as exciting as me being a superhero or something, so they, they didn't believe me. But um, yeah, I just love how they have no filter and they just ask questions and they'll stop and ask you. And they're just very curious. And I, I love that about kids, that they just have such a good Im- imagination, lots of questions. Yeah, something that us adults could perhaps um, learn from, actually, to remember. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, obviously, you've mentioned why you've particularly chose paradressage. Um, are there any other obstacles that you feel that you faced or um, visible or hidden that you don't mind talking about in your um, field or personally? Um, one that I've come across quite recently is that the, the equine community is quite a predominantly white middle class sport mm. and there's not a lot of people of colour or any ethnicity in the actual community so um, it's definitely a lot harder to get to certain things and get certain advantages because certain people have a lot for them already so yeah I found myself being like the, the token black girl of the group for a little bit Mm. And I kind of realised that I didn't want to be that and I just want to compete and ride and not be someone's token girl. Yes. So I kind of had to tackle that recently. 
You say recently, was it something that you discovered when you were growing up or do you think as you've got older, you it's become, you become more aware as you do as adults? Yeah, I think I, I become more aware as I got older. I definitely, when I was younger, I didn't really see that I was the only black girl there. Mm-hmm. I kind of just saw it as like a competition fun. But yeah, when people started recognising me because I was the only black girl there, is when I kind of realised like, wow, I am actually the only black person here. It's a bit odd and it shouldn't be that way. There should be a lot more. And yeah, I I just kind of didn't, didn't know what to do at that stage so yeah, yeah. I mean I uh, certainly this is kind of what the podcast is about really uh, in terms of diversity and you've mentioned about being the only black person how in terms of belonging and, and being part of the sport with, with that I know I appreciate you've got you've got family around you and I, I imagine from what I've seen that they clearly support you so you're not in that category where you don't have that support do you think that's an obstacle in terms of belonging if you don't, as a black person in the sport? I feel like it's something that I definitely have to work for. Mm. I feel like a lot of people can just belong to a group, but I have to kind of prove that I belong and that I deserve to be there. So, yeah, it's definitely a fight to get there. And yeah, over the last year, I've actually met a few more black a question and they kind of said, said the same thing that it's quite hard to make your, make your own mark in the equine world when they just want you to be the token black, black person. What do you think the governing bodies or the equestrian industry could do if they were listening? What would you say to them about improving on that? I think if they were able to make it more fair, fair for everyone, I think firstly equine sports are very elitist, very expensive. So that's one reason why a lot of people of colour don't get involved with it. Mm-hmm. But if there was a way of making it more inclusive and representative, representative of all people, even in the in the media, they would have, you know, like a a black question in their media would change. Mm-hmm. Like look at the sports. So presumably yeah. that's advertising as well, isn't it? Because a lot of if you think about the question clothing uh, lines as well and I mean from my observations yeah. there aren't that many there's a big opportunity there isn't there for them to, to start using and seeing people yeah definitely from the north I've noted a few bands that have recently um, gotten models that are, are of colour mm-hmm. um, um, yeah have to see that definitely right so um, I one thing I do want to talk about is your Black Lives Matter protests. So you, you were obviously in the UK like me. Um, whereabouts were you? Because I saw that you attended that and you went more than that. Bristol. You went further than that, which yeah. excited me. I was in Bristol. Um, uh, yeah. Because um, you read a poem out, I think, didn't you? Well, it was quite odd because the, 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 the night b- b- before I went, I I was just thinking in bed and I thought, I want to write down to some some thoughts and just to write down what I think. So I did that the night before and then during the march I was still writing my my like talk of what I wanted to say if I did get a chance. And then we were sat watching the march, watching the um speeches and my mum my mum said, Tegan, you have to get up. You have to just say something. 
I was like, I didn't want to do it, Mom. I really didn't want to do it. And my mom kind of pushed me up there and like, got everyone out of the way and was like, she's going to speak. Oh, it was powerful. I can tell you. Yeah. I got, I got, got there in the end. I got goosebumps watching that. And I'm not just saying that I did. Um, it was really powerful. And I, I was going to ask you how you came to do that and, and get the confidence to go up. But your mum's obviously a big part of that, which is yeah. amazing. Mum was a big support on that day. Uh-huh. So I know we've spoken about diversity in terms of um, black people and in the industry. Is there anything in particular that you feel that the equine industry is doing well in terms of diversity? Because you're obviously representative of not just being black. And is there anything that positives that you could take away or any, again, any further learning that they should, they should have? In my eyes, I think it is it's becoming more inclusive and representative of all people. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to see more um, people of colour, more people in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. I'm just seeing a lot more representation as a whole, which is really nice to just see it actually in, in, in the media. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they, yeah, they're getting a lot better with that. One thing I'm always curious to, to learn from as well it, or know about is any practices or rituals or mindset tips that the equestrian or para-equestrian has to yeah. share. What do you do, if you don't mind sharing anything? Um, so I guess b- before we even get on ride, we would kind of make sure that it's very relaxed and calm environment because we don't want it to be rushed and... Um, cause any anxiety so we like to keep it as calm as we can mm-hmm. and then when I get on I usually take three deep breaths and make sure that I'm really relaxed and really calm and then re- recently I've been taught that when you're going into the test you've got to say to yourself I deserve to be here and I'm, like, I'm as good as anyone else and I'm going to smash this and it just makes you feel really confident and ready to go for it. So, yeah, my best tips. I wish I had thought about doing that when I was competing on a very low level. I mean, locally, but certainly um, I love affirmations. So that's deservingness is really important. Yeah. And is there any message or you know, any, I was going to say mantra, but any message that you would have for any um, wannabe equestrian or equestrian moving forward? Um, I'd say being a equestrian is like it's hard to put it in words but it's like joining a new family of friendship group and it's a whole community and you get to build a bond with the horse and have a lot of fun and even if you're just riding it out on the field or whatever or on the, on the roads it's just a good experience to have and that moment to kind of relax and forget about all the craziness that's going on in, in the world. So, yeah, if you are wanting to join, I, I definitely recommend it. And what about those who might have some obstacles, whatever those obstacles may be, moving forward? Is, is there anything in addition to that that you might want to add? I say that the obstacles are obviously there for a reason, but there's always a way to get around them. And you just got to sit down and figure out what way you're going to take. And if that doesn't work, then go the other route and try it again. 
but either way you'll get around it so just keep keep trying keep going so that doesn't matter what your diversity is or any um, the adversity I should say as well yeah exactly and in terms of this year obviously it's been one of the weirdest years that we've had (laughs) I think everyone can agree on that did you have any coping mechanisms that you use during this or any takeaways that you can move forward with right now I'm just telling myself that it will get better at some point and it will get easier at some point and because in Bristol we're currently in lockdown so I'm not not able to ride but I'm just thinking there will be a day where I can again so Mm. just trying to stay positive and think about the, the future rather than now yes and so thinking about the future we've got 2021 yeah. or the near future I know you've got some Olympics coming up any goals that you can share moving forward my ultimate goal is to compete at 2024 that's my ultimate goal yeah um this year being a bit crazy has put us back a bit so mm. I have to get training a lot next year but hopefully it will still happen yes I think the 2024 goal is, is an amazing goal, as I've said before, to have. And um, I will be looking forward to, to watching you doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to say today before I um, sign off with you? Um, just thank you for having me, I guess. I've never done a podcast before. so No, I honestly, I, I think... I'm in awe of you already, Teague, on a number of levels. So oh, I'm extremely you. pleased that you've done this. And, and I'm sure that we'll be looking out for you in 2024. Thank you so much. Thank you. To that one person listening to this podcast, I want to say to you, whatever your background, whatever your adversity, don't let anyone make you feel you don't belong somewhere you want to be. Go compete to the top of your game. The views, information and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my own and do not represent those of people, institutions or organisations that I may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.